Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Pretty packed show tonight. John is on the line. We're going to talk some UFC. We're going to talk some uh, Wednesday night wrestling and then also preview uh, Backlash, which is uh, which is this weekend. So, John, what's going on? Not much. You just said Backlash. I was like, oh, yeah, it's this Sunday. <laughs> There's so much going on right now. It's hard to keep up. And it's, it's funny because, like, it's the we're still in pandemic so like nothing really should be really going on but every just every day something crazy is going on with this the fight game the um the the interesting thing about this weekend shows is you know you mentioned the pandemic and you know when the pandemic first started we were just like oh like nothing's going on we don't have anything to watch and with uh the AEW show from a few weeks ago then the um nxt show and then now there's another show like i was kind of almost wrestling out well uh this week i was like oh i forgot AEW and nxt is on like i literally forgot like a half an hour into the AEW show that wrestling was on like i think it's i think it's because you know we've had more events of late and and you know things are kind of slowly but surely with the UFC and now with boxing, which Robert and I talk about. Uh, we'll we'll talk about later. It's like things are kind of sort of back to normal in our um, bubble you know, in our combat sports <laughs> bubble. Yeah. Whereas the other sports, they're not they're not back yet, so it's kind of weird. I know, like the you know the Major League Baseball drafts happening, right? Like. I've been like dying for any kind of baseball stuff. So I got my hat out. I got the Giants hat out. Wore it proudly. Who we get? Who we getting this with the first pick? You know, not not our first pick of the of of the draft. So that's like the only excitement. I'm just waiting for them to come to some kind of agreements because I want to see some home runs and some singles and doubles and triples, man. That's the that's the one that seems to be the furthest apart. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so um, want to get get a few things out of the way because we do have kind of a fun chat contest challenge kind of thing uh, that, that I'll announce in a second relating to the new Japan cup, which new Japan wrestling is also back. So that's another thing that we can add to our combat sports bubble uh, of that, that will, will, will be back on track. But uh, first, uh, like, like I mentioned, Robert Silva is going to come on in the in the last segment of the show, and uh, we'll talk some boxing stuff. But the couple things I wanted to mention is uh, Justin Nipper. He put up uh, part one of a series of three articles he's going to write on Hannah Kimura and also relating to her mother Kyoko Kimura. 
uh, you, and, you know, everyone remembers the the tragedy of, of her suicide from several weeks ago. And Justin is very close to the Japanese culture. Uh, he explains a lot of the cultural differences in 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 kind of what was going on with with Hana. So it's a really interesting piece. I would suggest people to check it out. He interviewed Fumi Saito, who's uh, very close to the scene. It was actually at the funeral at, or, or the wake, I guess. Um, so that is super interesting. And I think the plan is to have t- the, the two, the uh, second and third part of the article ready in the next couple weeks. So those will, those will go up uh, as soon as, as soon as Justin is done with them, but uh, really interesting stuff. Like not, not really, uh, I, I know, you know, Big Dave had a uh, had a really good bio on her. But outside of that, I haven't seen a ton, you know, from from the wrestling side uh, about her. Uh, obviously, it's a hard thing when she's in she's in Japan and and she's not, you know, this gigantic breakout star. But she is, you know, she she is uh, she was sort of a, a budding, you know, wrestler, probably, you know, going to break through in, in some way. So it just, you know, Justin is so close to the scene. I, I, I wanted him to write it. So check it out on fightgamemedia.com. The other thing is, uh, so actually I'll talk about this now, but the uh, New Japan Cup bracket that I mentioned, what we're going to do, we did this last year, actually. We had everybody who's in our Facebook group, uh, is, you know, those of us who are watching New Japan, uh, put together a bracket and we and we built it like the NCAA uh, March Madness style. So first round, you get one point for each right answer. Second round, you get two. And every round, the points double for the correct uh, person who you have advancing. And that was fun last year because, you know, we, we were able to kind of treat it like a game and the New Japan Cup spans several weeks. So I'm updating scores and seeing who's in the lead. But this year, we're going to expand it. We actually had this idea earlier in the year, but when everything got canceled, you know, the New Japan Cup got canceled as well. So bringing it back, basically anybody who can hear this or uh, sees the post that I will have up um, Friday morning and you join our Facebook group, there are directions in how to participate in this bracket challenge. Uh, there will be prizes. Uh, I won't mention the amounts here. You, you know, you can check it out if you join the group and you want to participate. Uh, but there will be uh, gift cards for the three top winners. And the only th- caveat is that uh, you join the group. And for the people who are already in the group, um, I've mentioned that uh I would, uh, I would, the one request I have is that they tweet out the, or, or retweet the, um, the post or this podcast, which ex- sort of explains what we're doing. Cause I just, you know, I'm just trying to build a little bit more community and add folks to the group. And this is kind of a fun way to do it. And if people join, great. If they don't, then, you know, sort of experiment, un- you know, learned. But, um, you know, there will be real prizes. So it'll, it'll be fun. And, uh, it'll, it's something that, if you're a wrestling fan and especially new Japan and you sort of like that March madness style, we didn't even get the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, join the group. Uh, it is in the at, at fight game media, Twitter handled in the very pinned, the top pinned post is a link to the group. 
you know, just request and I will approve or John will approve uh, and, and get you in there. And the top post is the pin post, which explains the rules and, and how we're doing it and uh, the fun we're going to have. So wanted to want to get that out of the way. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, some UFC news, which came out. And I want to get John's feedback on it. He is uh, perennially the turned himself into the casual, uh, not not really a casual fan. You're a little bit more hardcore than a casual fan, especially because you're winning our picks uh, this year. That's not um, winning because I'm not really following that <laughs> closely. If I was going to dive deep and do my research, I'd probably be 0-75 right now. Okay, so I, I, the first question I have for you is because we, we had a... We had a post up earlier this week about the MMA GOAT. And when Amanda Nunez, when she beat Felicia Spencer last weekend, she did so convincingly that people started throwing her name around in the GOAT conversation. I think the UFC's like Twitter handle like started calling her the GOAT too, which is interesting because they have John Jones <laughs> on, you know, who is still an active fighter. Uh, so what is your who do you believe is the MMA goat like the MMA goat and UFC goat are probably the same thing though you know there 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 are some Fedor fans out there he 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 did show up on our list by the way he he uh but uh you know UFC's the the big game in town so who do you think is the MMA goat um for me it's uh, George St. Pierre for sure i mean um i just think he He's a great fighter. He was a great person, that, you know, outside the outside the cage. Um, uh, he's the whole package, in my opinion. So, I mean, legendary career. So that's for me. For me, he's uh, the greatest of all time. And he actually did the best in the poll. He was the top choice when I averaged out the rankings. Personally, I picked John Jones, and the reason I picked John Jones had a lot to do with how I feel about PEDs in general. And look, you know, who knows if George took them? You, you, you knew that he was adamantly against them in the late prime of his career. He definitely saw them as a, as a disadvantage for the non-PED user. But I mean, he had those, he had those uh, whispers follow him around earlier in his career. But, you know, PEDs are PEDs. It's, it's, you know, does, you know, Barry Bonds in baseball, um, you know, does that disqualify him? It's an interesting conversation, but I didn't really take it into consideration because my viewpoint is that a lot of guys are taking it and John Jones is just not smart. So he fails a lot. Uh, and, and you know, he, 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 he's the one who tests positive and then the UFC makes up excuses for him. But I, I just looked at his career and and the span uh, of his career gsp fantastic career his only real slip up was the the matt sarah fight which that came you know when he was a star he had some early losses like he lost to matt hughes uh very early in his mm -hmm. career in a title fight but gsp's gsp is my number two so but i mean they're, they're they're really close the one that i when i looked back and i just went through the records was anderson silva and he didn't face the level of competition that uh, either of those two other guys faced. But talk about bulldozing everybody in his path. Like, I forgot what the number was, but I, I looked at all the fights uh, in his in his run was like from 2007 to 2013. 
I, it was like he won like 15 fights or something, and there were only two that went to decision. So he finished so many guys. But yeah, that's a fun conversation. Uh, Anderson Silva was was third on our list. So if you if you want to check that out, that's also on the website. But um, the news surrounds something that we've been talking about for quite a long time, which is Fight Island. <laughs> Dana White came out, basically said where Fight Island was, which is, uh, I think it's Yas Island uh, in Saudi Arabia, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, sorry, not in Saudi Arabia, in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Um, Ryan Frederick actually had this like two weeks ago. He actually posted it in, in one of his uh, Monday write-ups, or maybe it was on Tuesday, because we I think it was after Memorial Day. Um, he actually had this, and he you know, was pretty much like, this is where it's going to be. And it's interesting, because when people started reporting it... Um, not to say that people are going to give him credit necessarily because he doesn't have that gigantic of a following like some of these reporters, but I was just kind of surprised that, you know, not, not one person sort of saw, and he's, he's been pretty vocal about it, so that was kind of interesting. But uh, So Fight Island kicks off with UFC 251 on July 11th, so exactly a month from this recording. And they're going to do three shows after that on the 15th, the 18th, and the 25th. So they're going to get like four shows out of the way in in like 14 days or something like that. So uh, UFC 251 is Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns just beat Tyron Woodley not too long ago, a few weeks ago. No, maybe it's like last week. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway in a rematch. Volkanovsky, his first title defense. Peter Jan and Jose Aldo in a fight for the interim title. And if you watched UFC 250 and you saw Aljamain Sterling, you're like, hmm, that guy probably deserves a shot at this title over Jose Aldo. Uh, Paige Van Zandt and uh, Amanda Ribas and uh, Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade. So that is UFC 251. And then the last bit of news, <coughs> excuse me, was that Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic signed as the main event for UFC 252. And the reason this is interesting to me is because most of the UFCs top draws are feuding with Dana White right now because they believe that they should be paid more money than they are currently being offered in the pandemic. And we we kind of talked about this before, but Dana White is saying, oh, you know, I can't believe these guys are asking for raises right now. Like, how dare they? And, you know, I I, I mean, I understand his, you know, his, his situation, but at the same time, you know, ESPN is still paying them a large chunk of money for these shows. So it's a good time if you're a UFC fighter to have leverage because, you know, this is an opportunity to use it. And look, if you don't want to fight during this time because it is a little bit more dangerous, then, you know, you could do that too. Um, but so that that's, that's the main news there. Uh, anything on the first Fight Island pay-per-view that stands out? I mean, it's a solid card. It's, 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 re- it's a really, should be a really fun card. But wonder, it is it is missing like that like top draw person. It's missing that top draw, but I think I think people are definitely going to tune in still because 
people are starving for content. And so far, you know, ESPN, you know, UFC has been a success during this pandemic. So, um, as far as a card, you know, Gilbert Burns is not a big name for a lot of hardcore people, but I still think they'll, and Usman too. I think Usman's a great fighter. It's just, they, you know, he just doesn't really stand out as, you know, someone's going to draw you in, but I think people will just tune in for the UFC. Like it's a UFC fight big, you know, instead of like a particular fighter. And I saw Paige Van Zandt on the cards. Interesting. Cause she's been having some, some setbacks. So, I wonder if she'll make it this, this... I hope she does. I hope she does. She has a lot of setbacks. So let's hope she gets to be able to fight this show coming up. Yeah, no, it, it should be... You know, she, she is at an interesting point where she is probably worth more outside of the cage than she actually is as a fighter because she did the Dancing with the Stars. She's really doing well with social media. And... I wonder, like, how much longer she does this. Now, she's, I think her husband is also a fighter or something. So, you know, it's definitely in the blood. But uh, I do I do wonder because, you know, she she had the the, the broken arm and, and all the injuries. And at some point, you know, she might think, ah, you know, why, why, why am I doing this if I can make a decent wage without having to constantly train and stay in shape and possibly hurt myself? I wonder if the, remember the, the whole WWE rumors with her? in the in the past so i wonder if she'd ever try that out to see how she'd do with that which well i mean the the a person who is uh i i think she's probably she 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 is probably more solid mm-hmm. actually i don't i don't know casey canizaro is pretty solid too and you know she's a smaller woman and she definitely struggled with just the the amount of abuse that you know it takes to to be a wrestler so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that would necessarily be better or not but at least she wouldn't have to get you know kicked in the arm yeah or she can maybe do like one time thing or something like that you know special appearance but i don't know if she's that big of a name to really you know draw big interest but it's interesting i remember that i remember back what, like a couple years ago right two or three years ago there was mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. was uh flirting with the wwe Okay, so uh, we're going to come back from this break, and we're going to break down NXT and AEW. We're going to do it slightly differently than we've we've been doing it in the past. Um, it'll it'll we're still going to cover it, but I, I just I, I'm I, I wanted to uh, order the conversation slightly differently. Uh, so hopefully hopefully it works out, and then um, and then after that, like I said, we will talk about backlash before bringing on robert okay let's talk about our friends at bet online there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners betonline.ag sports are slowly making their way back and bet online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all ufc nascar boxing and soccer matches and if you need even more, they've simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. The NBA is is pretty close to getting things squared away. So all you NBA betters are, are probably <laughs> going to be in heaven coming up with, with the way that they're doing this, this the end of the NBA season and the playoffs. 
looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, blue wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Okay, so the way that we're going to talk about these shows, uh, I wanted to do it in a little bit more of a sort of a point counterpoint conversation kind of way. Now, John and I both picked several things that we liked and disliked about either show, and we don't have to force you know, force it into a certain number. But I definitely wanted us to kind of keep track of of the things that we liked and didn't like so that we could we could have uh, we could have them ready to go. Um, would you like to start with AEW or NXT first? Your choice, man. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about NXT first. So I will say my expectation with this show was that now I don't know how much of this was taped or like I don't even really understand what WWE's taping schedule is right now not that I'm paying super close attention but coming off of that show the takeover show which was which was good I was hoping that they would kind of come out guns a blazing and try to win the week for for the ratings because you know AEW is kind of they're 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 trying to set things up for for Fighter Fest, but when you looked at what was going to be on that show, I was like, oh, AEW is like ripe for the picking. And I thought NXT was uh, was solid, but I thought they could have done a little bit more to kind of like you know draw that fan because they just had a a, a fun uh, a, a network special a, a, their their special show that you know the takeover show, and like I said, solid, but. I, I, I don't know. I thought they could have did a little bit more with it to, to build off of that, that uh, network special. Uh, I, th- I thought they did a pretty good job coming out of their takeover. I would have had maybe some, I mean, even though I liked the EO Shirai package that they had with her and her victory and everything, I thought that was really well done. I kind of like to see her live, maybe some kind of uh, interview segment, but maybe because of the language barrier, maybe it's just better to do a video package to her, but I kind of want to see, I don't know, maybe something with her live in front of the and the cameras there. That 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 would have been cool. But um, I thought they had some big matches. They had um, you know Adam Cole wrestling on the show. They had a Nick Rudge match, and they had a uh, you know Finn Balor and Cameron Grimes match. So I thought they had some some big matches on the show. So I'll I'll start with, and we we we'll go back and forth, and we and some of these we may be duplicating. Um, mm-hmm. So the things that I liked. So you you mentioned it. The great video packages. They did lots of recap stuff on this show, and their 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 video package work is really good. It really made you. If you didn't watch Takeover, it made you feel like you missed something great, something really fun. The the, the my favorite part was uh, that caught me off guard a little bit. Is I think it was in the Kyrie package. Uh, I'm sorry, Io Shirai package that you were mentioning. They had they 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 went to a shot of Morrow from his house. Is that was that the one? Did you see uh, that? Yeah, yeah, that should have been the same one. Yeah, definitely. So the, I like I was like, oh, that's cool. Like you know, I didn't. You know, I don't think we saw that on, on the actual show. So no, to see no. that little that little bit of insight w- was good. Now, the, but the only thing, I, this is this is a positive. I'm not going to turn it into a negative. But what I'm going to say is, if you did watch that show 
you didn't necessarily need to see all the video packages. So they definitely went with the idea that we're going, and this is, this is a, a WWE thing. Historically, you can go back and watch the 1993 Raws and the raw coming off of WrestleMania is literally selling the replay of WrestleMania. So this is not a new thing, but you know, I watched that show. I really liked it. And then when I watched NXT, I was like, like that, you know, we have DVRs. I could skip all of this stuff and not miss a beat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they, I mean, like you said, they've been doing that since 1993, right? With the Raws going up, you know, after a big event, showing highlights and highlights or, you know, teases of what happened and make sure you order the replay because it's available on Tuesday, right? At five o'clock. Uh, same thing here. You know, they're trying to capture people that missed it. Maybe they decided not to tune in to TakeOver, but then they saw the highlights like, oh man, I should have checked it out. So hopefully that plants the seeds for them you know, to watch and then the next one, whenever that's going to be, probably August. All right. What was something that you liked about the show? Um, I liked, uh, well, I liked the Finn Balor, Cameron Grimes match. I was a little... I kind of wish they would have waited a week, maybe. I, I kind of I really been enjoying Cameron Grimes, just his gloating over beating Finn Balor and and all that. So I kind of would like to have, I would have stretched it out a little bit more to finally really build up that match. But it looks like they're going to do a trilogy because that's what they, uh, you know, when Balor won this one, sounds like they, they you know, Mara really emphasized that they're one and one against each other. So I'm sure they're going to have a third match down the line. Um, but you know, Balor, of course, after his match, you know, gunning for the North American Championship and, you know, called out Keith Lee. So that should be a great match when that happens. Uh, uh, one of my likes as well had to do with Cameron Grimes. And it was less about the match, though the match was good. I like that he is, his personality is able to come out a little bit more on this show. They, they had a few segments with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, though there is a little bit of a balance to where I'm, I'm, cause I'm not exactly sure who his character is fully yet, but there was a little bit of humor with him, William Regal, you know, sort of getting to him and, and calling him on his stuff. And, and so I like the fact that his personality is able to shine a little bit on this show. Um, and, and I hope it's not just to be like the, the goofy guy who is is just in 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 the mid card or the upper mid card. I, I think he's got tons of potential. So, uh, but I like I like that they're showcasing that personality a little bit. Well, he's definitely going to be in a program now um, with uh, Damian Priest going forward. So they set that up, and Damian Priest now is not. I thought I thought for sure he'd be moving up soon, but it looks like they're going to go him as Babyface now, which you know was something different. All right, what else did you like? I liked my second thing I liked on that list was uh, I, I I enjoyed the main event a lot. I know uh, I was reading someone's review of it and they were pretty down on the main event, but I liked the main event match itself and also liked the uh, the tease of uh, Karrion Cross coming after Adam Cole for setting something up in the future. I thought that was uh, that was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting to go to that so quickly. So um, um, I liked I liked all this. I liked the whole. The whole thing, even though there's one thing I did not like, I would just fix when, uh, you know, when uh, Dexter Loomis is, he's just out cold at the end, and then he just springs up and, and, and locks on the uh, head and arm choke. I kind of want to have him out cold. I know they're trying to do like the serial killer kind of thing where, mm -hmm. you know, you think Jason Voorhees is dead and you walk past him, he grabs your ankle or something like that, but... 
I, maybe, maybe, maybe now it makes sense now I'm thinking about it now, but like when I first watched it, I was like, oh, I kind of wish he was kind of just kind of out of it and kind of groggy and, and then he kind of snaps out and then gets a head on our choke. But that's just a small little thing that, but I guess it fits his character of Dexter Loomis, who's supposed to be this vigilante serial killer, like the, like the character Dexter from the hit show on Showtime. But, um, but the, I thought the chaos at the end was good, really well done. It set up some good layers there, some stuff in the future. And um, and then I I did not expect the whole the whole thing with Karrion Cross and Scarlet coming out and so that's a that's a she's, interesting she's, match. she's a freaking star yeah I, yeah she's she's I mean I don't see as much as everyone else sees it but you know I I think she has something yeah for sure she doesn't have to talk like she just needs to walk out there and and I'm just uh, I, like and look I don't think she's like the prettiest woman in WWE there's. There's something different about her, uh, just the way that she looks, uh, as far as uh, her countenance, I guess, like the, her face, her facial expressions, very calm and cool and deliberate. And um, But she just walks out, and to me, like I'm just like, okay, like she's definitely got a presence. Um, the I didn't like the Dexter, Dexter Loomis stuff as far as the skits were concerned throughout the entire show. And the match was okay. The ma- I, I mean, I was kind of wondering where they were going with it. The thing that I did like, though, and it, it's like Roderick Strong as a personality has seemed forced to me at times but he is uh, I, I felt like during this this whole thing was you know where he's he can't see you know he's the only one that could see Dexter or whatever like his scaredy cat acting like it wasn't fantastic not like the best he's not like the best guy who's ever done that but I just really applaud his effort because he was absolutely trying to not be serious Roderick Strong wrestler guy. And he he hasn't been always serious wrestler. Like with with the the uh, Undisputed Era, he he does show his personality a little bit. But the different part of his personality here, I, I really like the way that that he tried to express and tried to sell the uh, the skits. Like I said, I didn't really enjoy them, but I enjoyed him, you know, kind of really trying to sell his ass off with the, with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, Roddy... He's getting a lot of he, a lot of practice here with you know being on TV and I know he did TV at ROH and all that stuff but a lot of the ROH stuff was you know mostly like straightforward promos and matches right so here he gets to do a little more of the acting and and you know I think he's definitely really came out of his shell at NXT I think that they really brought that out of him he's always obviously a great wrestler but now that they they really honed down on his character and who he is and let him let him do I I think he's been. God, I mean, he. I mean, I know he's so good in the ring, but just outside of it, you gotta. He could be up there for most improved, right? You know, mm-hmm. in that category, just for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, what else did you like? It's gonna. You're gonna laugh at this because I know they're not your favorite. They're not your favorite. Oh, if you're gonna say the Fandango skit, that was another one I fast forwarded through. Oh, you should have watched it. It was good. Oh. It was a good personality uh, personality profile on them. And, like, they're basically talking about how, you know, they're these, you know, they've done this, they've done this character, they dressed up like this. And, and you know, and on, the, on the main roster, they, they always like to entertain the fans, but they, they spent maybe too much time, you know, doing this shtick 
instead of focusing on the in ring and not that they're kind of, you know, focusing more in ring that, you know, that's why they've been successful lately and they got the big win and now they're getting a title shot, but they were funny within it. It just, it was, it was a really good segment on them. I really enjoyed it. You, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so sick of those guys, but I'm you should have watched it. It was really good. I think it would have changed your mind just a little bit on them. Um, Okay, the the rest of the things that I have are are on the negative list. So whatever else you have on your good list, fire. Oh no, that was just just three on those. Okay, so the things that I didn't like on this show. So the mixed tag match, there were two things I didn't like, and I'm being really picky on this one thing, which is Johnny Gargano's selling from getting beat up by Mia Yim. Like I, I get it, he's the chicken shit heel. He can be the chicken shit heel with Keith Lee getting beat up. But when Mia Yim is throwing forearms and he's like doing this like dance of of on his tiptoes as if he's trying to avoid stepping on light bulbs, I thought that was a little bit too much for me. Um, and the other thing that I didn't like about this, this was my fear when, you know, when we were talking about this match or just this feud, which is, I, I feel like they're not playing to Keith's strengths. And some of this is kind of what you just said about Roddy, which is they're giving him reps to do stuff that he might not be great at. But the way that this match ended where, you know, Keith Lee is, you know, he he launched uh, me, uh, he launched Johnny into his wife and now he's going to pick up the wife and he's so sad. And then he just gets set up to to lose. It makes him look like a kind of a dumb baby face. And I just don't think that that's his, that like, like let's not take air out of this guy right now. Like let, let's continue to let this guy be Keith Lee. Like there's going to be a time where, you know, he can do some other stuff, but like, he's like, he, he has the opportunity to be the top baby face on that brand and to just explode in popularity and it's a little bit kind of like, it's not exactly what they've done with Rhea Ripley, but I feel like the result uh, with Rhea Ripley is what I'd really fear with Keith Lee, is that you have this person who is just, with the with, with really good booking, has really stood out. Like, Rhea Ripley stood out from the crowd, from, from the wrestlers on NXT. She absolutely stood out and would look like a star. And same with Keith. I feel the same way about him. And you know, Rhea's had to take some some steps backward, you know, with the with with Charlotte and stuff. And she is not nearly as hot as she was when we were talking about her a few months ago. Now with with Keith, I I, I fe- that's kind of what I fear. Um, I hope this stuff with Gargano is doesn't last too much longer because it just it's just stuff that he's not good at. And I don't know if he should be good at it. I don't know if I would necessarily want to see him and stuff like that because I just want to see him beat up big dudes and throw dudes and have these really athletic big Van Vader like matches. Like I don't want to see him get rolled up by Johnny Gargano because he's holding his wife because he's worried about, you know, knocking her out. Yeah. I didn't like this match either. So that's on my uh, dislikes. I didn't like the, the match itself. I wasn't into, it wasn't connecting with me. I don't know what the, it just, didn't feel didn't feel right or felt off or something and then the finish i i didn't like at all i thought it was just because like you know i just saw on sunday keith lee kick out of everything 
under the sun. I mean, super kicks and whatnot. And like, I just don't buy that Gargano can pin him with the jackknife cradle where it's, you know, he can't power out of that. Like he's powering out of everything else on Sunday, but here he just can't power out on, you know, 165 pound Johnny Gargano, whatever he weighs, you know, on, on Keith Lee's legs. Like I just, I just thought the, they got overly creative and it didn't work out. They didn't come off well for Keith Lee at all. I think they could have done something maybe where the opposite, not Candice LeRae that gets knocked out, but maybe, you know, he runs into Mia Yim by mistake, right? Or something, or there's a collision and he's concerned about her. And even the referees come out, some referees come out to go, do- doctors come out to check on Mia Yim. Everyone's checking on Mia Yim. Everyone's distracted about Mia Yim and concerned about her. And that's when Johnny Garner comes from behind, maybe with some nucks or some kind of gimmick, a chain and KOs, you know, Keith Lee and then pins him that way. Um, just a, just the roll up thing. It was, it was too cute. And I, I was not digging it at all. Didn't it? Did, I, I, I not, I didn't believe for, I thought for a second, I thought right away he's going to kick out because he kicked out of everything on Sunday. But here he's just sitting there, you know, you know, you know, kicking his legs and ah, I just not like it at all. Okay. So the other things, I think we've mentioned everything else that, uh, that I didn't like just in passing. So the Dexter Loomis stuff, like I said, I didn't like the skits, you know, originally, I didn't like his character, but over the over the last few weeks, I've I've just, I've been okay with it. I don't I don't think it's like the the greatest thing that they've ever done, but I'm okay with the character. So you know, I was surprised uh, a little bit how how um, how much I came uh, I came over with with him, but I still I, I just uh, whenever they do those skits where one guy can see the, the mm-hmm. you know the the person and no one else can but the fans can it's just it just doesn't really resonate and um i don't know i mean what can you what can you do he seems a little bit like a, a one hit wonder i'm not sure where well i'm sure i'm not sure what creatively uh where you can go with such a one dimensional character i still see him turning heel i think he's best suit as a heel but maybe like to him he's not a heel like i still see him turning on velveteen dreams so i i you know i I was a big fan of the show dexter on showtime and he's a you know a serial killer but he was a vigilante who who um went after the bad guys right he you know and so i can see within this feud with undisputed era that he's protecting Velveteen, but maybe Velveteen does something or he sees as Velveteen doing something bad. So now he turns on him. I don't know. They didn't get, they can get really, uh, it's like really, really deep with it. They really wanted to, I don't know. I like Dexter. I, I think he's, he's different. He's different than the normal guy. Like, doesn't it remind you a little bit too much of nails though? Nails. The, yeah. Just, just Kevin the, Kelly from, uh, yeah, just the, the, um, the one facial expression, the crazy, like the lunatic kind of guy, like he, he, he reminds me a little bit too much of Nails and, hmm. you know, na- na- Nails, Nails wasn't going to be uh, anything. You know, I think there was, he had one, he had the possibility of doing one feud, which was, you know, yeah, boss man. the boss man. And that, that was probably going to be it for him anyways. But it just it it seems a little one dimensional to me. Now I I kind of like the the Velveteen Dream thing that you just laid out. So if if they do do that, I think that could be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I just worry about these like one dimensional characters, uh, the way that the way that he's built. Um, 
you know, and then maybe may, you know, we we we've said this about other guys like you know Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is not going to be the end the end character for him. So maybe this isn't. Maybe this is just a a short term thing for Dexter Loomis as well, and and he could branch off and do something else. But I don't know. I just I find I find it a little little one dimensional and kind of predictable and. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that necessarily works as well with wrestling today, but, you know, may, maybe they'll be creative with it. And if they do something like what you said with Velveteen, you know, that that would be interesting. He'd probably be really good, like, and he probably would have been really good in the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Like, just, you know, showing up, attacking people, you know, attacking the McMahons, you know, going for the bad person or something like that. Like, he could have done something with him. Well, what is his there. background? Well, he was, uh, what, Samuel Shaw, right, in TNA? He was like when I first saw him, he was like this. Uh, this is when I used to watch TNA. He was like this young young kid, and he was like a, he did like a surfer gimmick, but he had a lot of talent, a lot of a lot of um, athletic ability. I thought he was you know so potential, but I didn't like the surfer gimmick he had. And then he kind of went like he left and came back and left, and he kind of just started doing this you know take off of Dexter. Um, and I think they kind of just fine-tuned it in nxt that brought some um you know different uh, i don't remember him him being like being like this blank stare in the i don't remember it at least i think i've only seen him like in a couple matches when he started doing because in, in tna he came back as as this character as well samuel shaw as this uh as the dexter kind of character but i think he might have been a heel though if i remember correctly so do you do you, when you are creatively putting something together for and you know by the way we should have shouted out your uh your article on uh your mr wrestling four character that was influenced by mr wrestling two who just passed away mm-hmm. uh but, but i that that reminded me because i'm asking you sort of about building characters and that's what that article was about so if you want to read that story really fun uh it's on the website as well but in building a character like dexter loomis he doesn't talk he is like i said he's a little one dimensional is that perp- is is that purposeful because he may not have the type of charisma that uh you know being a, a a sort of a regular baby face would need is that is that a way to cover up maybe a weakness and accentuate uh, a a strength and and a way to say hey you know maybe he's not great at promos but he can do this thing he can do this serious thing really well so let's work around that I'm not because I don't I don't I've never seen him cut promos so I can't judge his um, I don't remember anything he did that you know from what I've seen in the past and it's been a while since I've seen him cutting kind of promos so but I think like with this character they created with him like this blank stare the serial killer just you know coming at you um, you know like 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 I said like like the like a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees kind of like keeps getting up and going after you. Um, you know, doing typical promos maybe really doesn't fit him because those guys don't talk, right? Michael Myers didn't talk. Mm-hmm, Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. didn't talk. But what could you do with him without talking? Well, they came up with this idea where he's an artist. And I don't know, he might be a real artist. You know, he might, that's might, might be part of his person that, you know, that, that they tapped into. And, you know, he can, you know, leave these pictures and stuff. And maybe each picture is a clue to what he's going to do next. You know, you can do that. Like, who's he targeting next? And, you know, we have to figure out from this drawing he left her. Uh, I think it's unique and different. Like I said, he's not this typical same wrestler we see on, on like, that comes down the pike. So he has something unique about him, which I, that's, that's what I like about Dexter. Okay, so as f- I think we've mentioned all the things that uh, I thought were slightly negative on the show. Um, 
What about, is there anything else that you didn't yeah. like before we move on to AEW? Um, well, one, one quickly, it's just a small thing. Um, they, you know, they announced two matches next week. They announced the uh, uh, NXT Tag Team Championship um, between uh, your team, Brizongo, <laughs> and Imperium. Um, I just thought, you know, throw in a 30-second a, a promo with Imperium talking about their match, you know, next week just i just i just i want that so give them some more tv time um and the same thing with uh, another tag team title match you have the uh wwe women's tag team title match will be on the show um the winner of the backlash match faces tegan Knox, and and uh shotzi blackheart wednesday Let, let's hope that is actually sasha and bailey i'm sure it is I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that no and, that should be that should be really fun but then you know after they announced that like it's cool it's, it's nice that they show a graphic and they, and both shows do this AEW does this and, and NXT does this sometimes I get a little frustrated like yeah, oh, AEW does it like at the like the last segment before the main event mm-hmm. and they just like run through like four things yeah so I mean I just here here it is like just you know show me a little 30 second of Shotzi and Tegan together talking about their opportunity they can't wait to face whoever they're going to face right and they're looking forward to just you know winning some gold they just they give me something just give me something to kind of just to spice it up a little bit and um the last thing I did not like and I feel I feel bad putting on the I do not like list but it's the whole execution of the angle it's the phantasma angle mm. because I mean the, I mean, what they did was cool in itself, right? Like, I so so Drake, cool. Drake Maverick comes out and basically congratulates Phantasma, and he's got his contract. And then the masked kidnappers come out, and they make it look like Phantasma and Drake are going to take on the kidnappers, but then they mm-hmm. turn on Drake, and then they unmask. This is the angle you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just thought maybe they should, you know, have they should have had the rematch for next week. And it, the mask guys get involved, and it looks like Phantasma doesn't, you know, he didn't realize they get involved, and that's how he wins. But he, it obviously, he's in on it, and then he pulls the, you know, like the churn on Drake instead of just like all like there was no there's they've been attacking him, they've been attacking Phantasma for weeks now, and I just thought they they should have done something to where. He, they did something to him. And then all of a sudden, like I'm with these guys. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just mean, you, they- you could have even set up a tag match with Drake and him mm-hmm. again. Yeah, against those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that too. Yeah, you could do something like the old Sting, Flair, and um, Pillman and Arn Anderson or Halloween Havoc, something like that. Right? You could have done something like that. Um, I just thought they like missed like a final step, <laughs> like we, you know, or one of the final steps before the reveal. But. Um, I mean, he looked great. I mean, he looks great without the mask, and he he looks more of a star without it. Honestly, in my I opinion. think so too. And I mean, he's not, he's not a handsome guy, but he's got a unique look, and he looks he 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 looks kind of like a a little bit like a badass, which he would not be able to look like with yeah. the mask on. Yeah, and I'm and I'm happy for uh, Raul Mendoza to get something because that guy just been a quality worker on on the NXT brand for a very long time. Always has good matches, so now he's. He's getting in a position where he's going to be doing something beyond just the guy that just goes out there and has a good match with someone. So, um, so yeah, we'll see what they do with this kind of like a, I guess it's like a Mexican cartel kind of mm-hmm. angle. Um, 
I'm guessing it's going to be Drake Maverick feuding with them with probably Jake Atlas. And I'm sure Kushida. You could throw Kushida in that mix. So that could be some fun six man tags. So, that, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I just, like I said, overall, I, I, I liked what they did. I just wish they would have had one extra step to, to get to that conclusion. Okay, let's uh, move on to AEW. We'll talk about the things that we liked about the Dynamite show. Uh, I'll go first, and I will say, and I know that you you have an opinion on this, but when we're just talking about entertainment, Chris Jericho on commentary is so fun. He bulldozes a little bit over a JR and Tony sometimes because he's talking so much and he's talking so fast. But I just get a kick out of it. And like, you know, some of this may have to do with the fact that often when I'm watching Dynamite, I'm still working. So I kind of have it next to me. And sometimes I'm working on my computer screen, but I can hear the uh, the iPad that that I'm watching the show on. And when it's just uh, when it's, you know, and some some weeks it's been bad. Like there was there was the week where Cody and Shivani did it. And that was like the, the, the most boring version of a commentary team. But then there are other weeks where, you know, Chris Jericho, Jr., Excalibur, Tony, and they're all just like playing off of Chris Jericho. And it is it's so much fun now. Is it the best way necessarily to build some of these angles? I'm I'm not I'm not sure because I know Jr. has to cover for a lot of stuff, especially stuff that that doesn't necessarily make sense, um, which which we will probably get into. Um, but I just I like Jericho. Jericho's a likable guy. I feel like when he's in the ring, he's like this heel. But when he's on commentary, he's he's still a heel, but he's like it's just like the Chris Jericho that I like, so I really liked him mm-hmm. on commentary again. Um, I liked him this time around than the than the those uh, Georgia tapings. I think here he was more true to the Chris Jericho, the serious Chris Jericho, even though he had some fun with some comments and being a little silly. But for the most part, like he was doing like standard heel commentary stuff, you know. And and so no, I really enjoyed, it. especially I really enjoyed him during one of my likes, which was the uh, the opener. I like I really enjoyed the FTR versus Bush and Blade match. That was uh, a really good tag team match, and it was it was a kick because it's almost it was a, a bonus of that match, and it was really good as as I expected to be. Um, you know, because FTR is really good. Um, they did a great job. You know, uh, what's the name? Uh, Blade's good. He's been a long time, you know, wrestling for a very long time, Pepper Parks. But, you know, the Butcher is, you know, only been wrestling for six years. And, you know, six years of, you know, wrestling on the weekends is still very, not a long time, right? So, so like he, you know, they were able to, you know, hide, hide his weaknesses and focus on his strengths. So it's just a really good, really good match. I really enjoyed it. But they, you know, they were talking about how the <laughs> FTR uses the tag ropes and how it's so refreshing to see. It's almost like they're like taking, like trying to get a message out to the locker room, like this. You know, we we need to do more of this and this and um, and uh, Jr. kept talking about and Jericho kept talking about. Yeah, they have they have they have within a five count, but they actually have within a ten count in AEW, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, so, so I liked that as well, but I think I liked it for a slightly different reason. I think FTR is such a contrast to the style of teams that they have on that roster. And, you know, most of those teams are either 
super indie or they're mm-hmm. indie with a, a lucha style or they're super lucha and you know you know when dustin when dustin is in is is, is on a team I think he's more sort of like your quintessential mm-hmm. tag team wrestler. Like when when he and um, what you call are gonna are gonna have a match next week for for the titles, that they'll, they'll be like like your quintessential tag team. But FTR is, is so different from the rest of their tag teams that they stand out, and I think that's awesome because you know the, the the people the the fans who watch aw they they like a specific style and they and those teams play into that style but when you have an ftr and you see the contrast of that style you see how good that style is too and it's it's like it's really good to see multiple styles to me in uh you know in tag team wrestling it doesn't have to be all one way or all the other way i would like to see another team that is more similar to FTR's uh, tag style. And just to, again, to have that contrast with, you know, the Young Bucks and the, and the Lucha Bros and um, the Private Party, like they all have their own like, mm-hmm. like, like way. And, but, I, but I did like that. I, th- I thought it, it really stood out that FTR is, uh, you know, they, they, they come across as serious guys who mean business. And that is not what you generally see uh, in that tag team division, you see guys who want to have great matches, you know, guys who are, who, who want to, uh, perform and FTR is like, we just want to win. And so I, I like that. I like the contrast. Yeah. But they put on a great match though. They, they told a really good, really good story. I really, I really enjoyed that match a lot. That was, that was really refreshing to see. So I actually liked this episode of AEW. I was actually, I thought, uh, like I liked, like both shows actually, this was a, a good night of wrestling for me and, and, uh, for my viewing, um, so that's what I liked. I liked that match, and another match I liked. Sorry, to jump ahead, but you're no, gonna, go for you're, it. Go for dude. It. You're gonna be shocked, bro. <laughs> uh oh. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I liked the Jericho Orange Cassidy angle. Ah, oh, that was my next thing that I was good. That I oh, there you go. Like I liked it. I liked it. I liked. I actually liked uh, the performance of uh, uh, the Inner Circle. Like they're all like, dude. Santana was so physical and serious. I loved it. Um, same thing with uh, Ortiz. He was less goofy, and Hager was was being dominant. And I enjoyed the angle with the. You know, I like Jericho. You know. You know, being serious with Orange Cassidy, and I and I thought actually I thought Jericho, this is where he was really good on commentary. This is where he he definitely shined because he actually explained Orange Cassidy better than anyone has done so far. Well, I, I don't even remember what he said. What did he say? He talked about like you know he has this sloth like tactic. He lures you in and frustrates you. And that's when he turns on the burn the afterburners. And mm. hits all, you know, and that's and that makes perfect sense. It's like a, he's like a change up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the uh the Ephus pitch, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, so so you know that that and I and so that I'm like, okay, if I look at it that way, I can I can get it, you know. And then I like that when you know the shit hit the fan on uh, after the match that Jericho came out and they beat the crap out of him and they got some blood. And so I, I enjoyed that. I really did. I really did. So, you know, my and first, 
My first they, Orange Cassidy <laughs> thumbs up segment. And they called him Blood Orange Cassidy. Blood. Yeah, I thought that was great, you know. And so, then, you know, this the sack of orange and then nailing him with the sack of orange, which, you know, is pretty fucking, you know, pretty heavy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, so are we to assume that they're going to have a match at Fighter Fest? Yes, that's what it seems like to me. So I'm going to call it here. The, obviously, this is two shows, so it it you know this is not all in the same show. But I will say, whichever night Jericho and Cassidy is on, is going to be the highest quarter segment or qu- qu- yeah highest highest segment of the night for for both for both brands. I think Jericho obviously for the wrestling fans, and I just see. And and I don't know how you even count this. Uh, I'm sure there's ways. I, I, you know, the, they obviously do count this because you see it the next day. But yeah, I just see like the girlfriends of the guy who's watching wrestling on Wednesday. Oh, that Orange Cassidy guy. He's facing Jericho. What? I, I just think that that's going to be intriguing. For you know, we don't really know what a casual fan is these days. I don't know if it's even possible to draw casual fans to wrestling, but. There, there's going to be some mystery to Orange Cassidy and Jericho that I think is a little bit missing from you know from uh, our Wednesday night uh, our Wednesday night shows and and I think that will be a really good quarter for AEW. Yeah, and then you could maybe even tease that Mike Tyson's coming back, right? I mean, somehow he gets involved in this match. Maybe he, you know, costs Jericho the match, and Orange Cassidy beats Jericho, and that can lead to Jericho and. Tyson at the next pay-per-view, which has kind of been the destination in, in the, was that, uh, not Double or Nothing, but it's, um, what's their fall pay-per-view? Uh, all Out. I all think. Out. Uh, that was the original destination for Tyson and Jericho, so um, we'll see. We but is, is, is my, doesn't Mike Tyson usually beat up guys like Orange Cassidy? No, he's not going to. He's not going to. He's not going to beat up Orange Cassidy. He's going. No, no, to get no. Jared. I know. I know. But he's going to kind of help Orange Cassidy win when usually, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, this is a different Mike. This is this is Grandpa Mike. I mean, he's going to have you know Gooch there. You know so. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so the uh, I'll, I'll throw out one that I liked because I think we have some similar ones. Um, Taz. I liked when Moxley and Taz started to fire up at each other because I hadn't seen a serious badass Taz in I don't know how long because very quickly in his WWE career, he had to stop being a wrestler and become a color commentator. And he he was good at it, but he also showed a little bit more of his... Uh, friendly side he showed a little bit more of his funny side mm-hmm. and so for him to kind of come back and show serious taz i was like wow i missed that guy you know i really liked that and, and you know it, it wasn't very long he didn't overstay his welcome brand cage came out and jumped moxley but i just liked the fact that you know taz was almost like remember you know you may have to go back 20 years but this used to be me and i really liked that yeah, yeah, no, I I liked it. I actually would. I like. I, it was it was my third thing. I liked. Um, I liked this segment. I just kind of wish it was on next week's episode, just because it had so much going on this mm-hmm. week's episode with a lot of post match brawling and and stuff like that. that I think. Um, well, you can call it brawling. So a lot of it's pretty bad brawling, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I think it would have been nice to kind of put this on next week's show because 
they had so much going on. But yeah, no, I thought Taz is great. Um, I one thing I do enjoy about AEW is like you know segments like this where they can just let the guys go mm-hmm. and and do their thing and. And they're not constrained by some of the, you know, the rules that they have. Maybe like, you know, some people next to like, I don't know what that rules they have, but like, you know, just some th- yeah, just more of a free flowing promo. I just wish there was more of that in wrestling today. So that was nice to see. Um, I like Brian Cage attacking. Um, what do you think about his shirtless with jeans and red shoes look? Well, <laughs> it's, you know, if you really, I mean, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Brian. Uh, actually, it's like, I mean, like a couple years ago at the APW show, but uh, I, mean, I, I remember him when he was a young guy. He's, you know, he's, he's an interesting character. Um, <laughs> but what I like about the Taz and Cage combination is that Taz is really doing well as a manager. He, you know, he's, it's not about him. It's about, even in that segment, it wasn't about him versus Mox. It was, he's still, you know, talking about the threat of Cage, what Cage is going to do to him. So it's, you know, unlike Jake Roberts, he put the focus on himself instead of Lance Archer. Like, Taz is doing it right. All right, was there anything else that you wanted to mention of your likes? That was it. That was it on that. Okay, let's move on to the don't likes. Uh, Matt Hardy doing four different characters <laughs> is jump the shark to me. That didn't even make my list. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm just so annoyed of it. It's like, I already hate it anyway. So yeah. He went from, I don't know if it was version one or version two, to the old man Damascus or whatever he calls him. Yeah, just delete it. <laughs> delete like, everything. Like yeah. literally just looked down and then came back up as a different character. And I was like, okay. Like, Shake his head. We're, we're not even we're not even really trying anymore. Yeah. And at this point, um, you know, I think I think he meant a little bit to when when he when he joined, and you know, it's unfortunate. If they would have had a crowd, he would have got like a gigantic like Road Warriors pop at one of those live shows that they were that that they had planned for him. But I think he is exposed, and this is kind of what happens, right? Like Matt Hardy as the performer cannot go the way that he used to be able to, and so he has to emphasize the character part uh, uh, of his, you know, of him. And I think he does a good job, but it's just there's too much of the character and there's not enough of the wrestler. And the character has absolutely overstayed his welcome. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's just not working. It's not working for me. I, this this You're right. This is where it really exposes itself. Like just looking down and shaking your head and changing characters was totally lame. Uh, do you what 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 else do you have in your list? Um, you know, after the great FTR Butcher and Blade, I shouldn't say great, it was very good. Um, I didn't like, I wish they would just had their own promo, FTR would just had their own promo, talking about their dominance in this match, and how they're going to just, just take over the tag, you know, the tag team division here, going to win the championship, blah, 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 and then it was nice for Shivani to bring up the Young Bucks, and they totally blow off the Young Bucks, like, come on. They're not even our league, you know. They're not even. We're not even worried about the Young Bucks. They're they're below us, right? Yeah. And that kind of disrespect thing. But like the Young Bucks come out and they and they cut this horrible promo. I, it it just 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 came off so lame. And then the, the post match brawl, another one. Um, it just didn't work. You know, Omega comes out still sleeping, like he just got <laughs> done playing video games. Probably did. 
You know, it just didn't work. I know they're going to set up a, a, a eight man tag, but it's they could have done so. I, I'd rather have them just announce the match and and you know, and then doing this what they did there. It was just I I didn't not like this Young Bucks promo. I thought you know the Matt post, was the post match brawl feels a lot like what do we do here? I mm-hmm. don't know how to end this. Okay, Dude, post match brawl. AEW is like. Dude, that's one of their main things they do all times is this post match brawl. It's like every show there's a either gonna end like almost multiple times a show, gonna end a show. They ended with a, a really poorly poorly uh, worked brawl here um, at the end of the show. You know, and I, I just they gotta stop it. But just well before that was just a promo from the Bell Bucks. It's just like it made me like less interested to see that match. They they have an interesting. They have an interesting role in this match because to the AEW audience, they obviously see the Young Bucks as the best team. Mm-hmm. To the NXT audience, um, you know, the Revival, they would have seen them as the better team. If you were to think about this from like, oh, are these guys ever going to wrestle? So I think what they're doing is the Young Bucks are utilizing the fact that their fans are in their corner to try and really promote how good the Revival are. But I think we're at a point with this audience where I'm pretty sure the AEW audience knows and they don't have to, you know play you know big star trying to get over the the newcomer i don't think they have to do that that much i think the wrestling audience in general is pretty much clued in on this stuff and what you said would have worked way better where ftr is just like ah you know those guys are good but whatever like they don't impress us like we're the best and then you get to this point where they just keep beating teams and the young bucks are like you have nobody left we're the we're the final boss like let's Mm -hmm. go and I think that would be better than than the way that they're looking to do it, um, because you know I, I think people get it. The Young Bucks are great, FTR is great. Like, let's see a match. We may have to wait, but they don't have to. They don't. They don't have to force it as much. I don't I, I, as they are. Or like you know, FTR continues to win and they keep blowing off the match of the Young Bucks and they finally get the match with Omega and Paige and they win the tag titles. But at the same time, as you're doing that, the Young Bucks are winning matches and the week after the, the show after the the FTR wins the tag titles, Young Bucks win the number one contendership match and now they're forced to have this match with FTR, right? And FTR must face them, and now we're gonna finally see who's the best, like. I just thought this was just very lazy, and I, I I thought Matt came off like a total jerk, you know, like they they, they don't come off as baby faces to me in this program, personally. So I mean, I don't know. I just I just, it was wasn't I was really disappointed in that. I thought the the match was good, and then they followed up with the stinker. Okay, so um, I am really tired of multi women matches that they just throw in the middle of the show and you know rather than folk and and i get it because they don't have you know they they want to push the women's division but they don't have time to have like two or three different women match segments they just don't have the time so they try to kind of put two different feuds together or they kind of you know they they do it all in one match they're also kind of handicapped too with you know, not be able to get some talent from Japan as well, right? 
yeah, their their roster at this point in uh, is it's a little full. limited. It's yeah, it's, it's not, a little it's limited. Full, yeah. yeah, but it what it shows me is it's like okay, we're not going to focus on one, and when you don't focus on one or even two, to me, you don't focus on anybody. And so that's kind of my frustration with the division. I know other folks have different frustrations with the women's division, and that you know they think you know nowadays you know the, the, the matches have to be a little bit higher quality. But you know, there there are good there there are, are are good wrestlers that are there, but they're also um, you know the best character of the women is someone who's not even in the ring. So uh, you know, Britt can get over more when she's not in the ring than she can when she is in the ring. Definitely. Uh, but like, I, I just I just worry that to to me it's becoming very uh, Jimmy Havoc, where I see what I see what the announced matches, and I'm kind of done with it before it even starts, and I don't even really want to pay attention. And that's kind of what I'm feeling with these multi women matches. I would personally rather see them focus on like one thing a week and then like next week let's do an uh, let's focus on a different thing we don't have to have um uh we don't have to have certain wrestlers on on the show every week just so that you don't forget them like if you do something good even if you skip a week i'll be looking forward to that you know the following week so uh, there's just a little bit of something there with the women's division and how they're booking it today where i'm just like ah like it just feels like the same thing that I just saw two weeks ago, which sucked, and that I just saw four weeks ago, which sucked. And so I'm just going to think that this is going to suck too. Yeah, 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 I agree. I, I I actually thought the match was, wasn't that bad. Maybe I was, I mean, I was expecting the worst and actually was, was, you know, was okay or even somewhat good. You what know, about I, Penelope getting the win? That was a surprise. That was definitely a surprise. But, you know, classic booking, you know, the a challenger piece of champion. So, I'm okay with that. I think um, I'm curious to see how she's going to do as a, in a in a singles match with Sheeta. So they'll have to, you know, she has her limitations. Penelope does, but uh, but you know, she came off well here. So we'll see. And then you know, it's, it's someone for Sheeta to probably beat. And I had a kick just because they said, you know, someone's. I forget one of the. I think it may, may have been Jim Ross. He said, in my eyes, she's still the most dominant woman in. AEW, and he's talking about Nyla Rose, and I'm like, mm-hmm. she just lost the belt, like, but <laughs> like a month of winning it or something, you know, and something just kind of cracks me up. But, uh, but no, this match actually um, it's, uh, surprised me. I just didn't like the, I didn't like seeing Kip again as a just a fall guy, yeah. you know. That's just just bugs me. Uh, what else on your list? Well, the the match that the, the announcement that kind of blew my mind was the the natural nightmares. <laughs> Are getting a tag team title shot next week. They are five and zero, oh, by the way. Did you know this? They're five and zero. Oh? All on dark. All on dark beating jabronis. Yeah. So all of a sudden they get a tag team title shot. We need to we need to get rid of these ratings, man. This whole ratings thing. I think it was just something that Tony Khan had a, really wanted in the beginning, but it's just not working. Oh, they're gimmicking. They're gimmicking their win loss record. It's just, yeah, when you have the natural nightmares, just getting a tag team title shot, when you have this, you know, like, like they, and they, the team that is undefeated in AEW that's been, because they couldn't compete for the tag towns because of the pandemic and they're stuck in Canada, the, 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 the dark order, well, they're, they're here now, as we saw later, you know, Uno and, um, 
uh, what's his name, Grayson, mm-hmm. are now back. So if you're really going by these rankings, they would be the number one contenders for these tag team titles. So I just thought that was just like, what? Like, really? You know, I mean, and what's up in like QT Marshall? What's, when did the bunny become with QT Marshall? It, was it she was with the all, blade? It was all in the crowd over like the last two shows. She's oh just God. constantly flirting with this dude. And they, and then I guess they're maybe setting up some kind of like mid card dark, uh, maybe AEW dark program between natural, the natural nightmares and Bush and a blade. I'm guessing that's the only thing I can think, but I don't watch it cause I don't watch dark, but, um, no, nah, I just think, I just think like the announcement of this tag team title match and then their ranking system, it just, just, just puts a, like a, just a, a bright light on how, how stupid and ridiculous this, this, this records are. One of the other things I didn't like, uh, MJF's segment, I'd, I thought it was, I was like, eh, he, he, they, they wanted to put him on TV. They didn't really have anything interesting. I, I guess he's going to have a match with Billy Gunn next week. But the thing that I didn't like was uh, Jungle Boy, right after Jungle Boy losing, he calls him, uh, did he call him the Jungle Boy Jabroni? Yeah, 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 something like that. I didn't like that because I think, a lot of fans who have been watching the TV uh, are sort of feeling like he's lost a few times. And so that's highlighting the fact, A, the fact that he's lost a few times. And, and look, he was, he was just in a, in a title shot uh, for the TNT title last week. But I just don't like using that vernacular on a guy who you hope to be one of your young up and comers. It's like if Scott Hall and, and maybe Scott Hall did this, which I, I, I actually wouldn't, I actually don't remember, but Scott Hall in 93, if he's calling X-Pac like a jabroni, mm-hmm. mm, I mean, now you're telling me that jungle boy's got to win this, this match then, you know, this, this match against you, if, if you guys are still going to feud, but I don't know. I just don't like the, I just don't like that vernacular when you're talking about, one of your one of your guys who just lost and people are kind of going like uh he's kind of lost a, a few times now recently is is he going to be just a mid card like what's the what's the deal and talk about a missed opportunity like you have this match between jungle boy and cody la- last week i know they showed highlights of the match but this is another opportunity where they could have had a promo where jungle boy talks about his match and what he learned from it and how he's going to go forward from this and and what's the next step for his career? Like, I think they could have done something with him there. And instead of just leaving him off TV all, in general, you know, just, yeah. you know, I think he had some momentum, even though he lost at that match. I mean, keep it going a little bit here. And I, and I, that, that MGF Billy Gunn segment nearly made my dislike list. I just kept it to three on each, on each list. And what I didn't like about it was like MGF just totally like, you know, he, he you know, he's a smart ass and he, you know, talks down to, you know, Billy Gunn, but Billy Gunn just laughs and kind of like, okay, cool. But then all of a sudden becomes a serious promo with him. Now they want to fight each other. It was, it was, it was kind of goofy. I think he should have just had a match. Like they should announce like MGF is going to be in, in the ring next week. And, and sure enough, it's going to be against, uh, um, uh, the son of Billy Gunn. Uh, who's just been cheerleading the whole show. Son of a like, gun. Son of a gun. He's been sharing for like, you know, eight weeks now <laughs> but like he just totally destroys him you know like beats the crap out of him and just just bullies him and just it's too much where billy gunn just you know hops the rail and just calls the match off and says you know just enough's enough and then freaking wardlow clocks freaking billy gunn <laughs> and then you know and then jim 
you know, locks on the, the salt of the earth arm bar on, 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 on Billy Gunn. And then, you know, so now you're setting up a little match between, you know, MGF and Billy Gunn mm-hmm. for maybe a fire fest, you know, like, you know, give them, you know, uh, you know, people are tuning in to see, you know, they, people will remember who Billy Gunn is, and, you know, MGF going over on him. It means, it would mean something still. So, I um, mean, just, just the whole way they set it up was kind of just kind of like just half ass. All right. Last thing for me is, um, after the main event, Jeez. um, Hager comes out and attacks Arn, and Cody's got to defend Arn, and then uh, Private Party and Matt Hardy come out. Now Hager is gonna be the number one contender for the TNT title, and Hager is a gigantic man. He is the the muscle for the inner circle. And he is supposedly a real MMA fighter. <laughs> and it took like the weakest Matt Hardy clothesline to take this dude out of the ring like so easily. And I was yeah. like, what? Like, why are, yeah. why are Private Party and Matt Hardy, of all people, taking out the number one contender to Cody's belt? Like, that didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Oh, no. I, I, this, this is on my last on my list, too. This whole post-match scene where like you know like, like yeah it didn't make sense like hager comes out looking like a badass i'm gonna challenge you next and cody knows what he wants so yeah i've done choice a fighting champion like that's all good and dandy and then you know maybe they could have had like okay match is signed all right cool we agree now cody goes back to doing his little fired up crowd promo turns his back to the to the entranceway but here comes here comes inner circle again and here comes hager and hager shoots him up in that big suplex and locks on the ankle lock or something you know so give some some heat behind it like i think all the heat's lost after that point you know when out, out came you know the um, uh, quinn was out limping out you know from his match with cody and and you're right like here comes matt hardy who's just we just saw him be like <laughs> you know multiple personalities in the, in the in the in the worst way possible and he just clothesline mr big jake hager yeah just totally, totally killed his heat and like i said they they fall back on these brawls too much like they felt like i think tony khan felt like he needed another brawl at the end of the show some kind of chaos but sometimes you don't need that 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 kind of chaos with everyone to fall just keep it keep the spotlight on the match that you're setting up in the future and that's hager and cody um okay so that was it for me was there anything else for you no that was it that was it for me as well all right perfect so uh, so yeah, the, I, I like the the conversational way that that works. So you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that next week and see how it works out as well. Uh, the last thing that we're going to talk about before we throw it to uh, to Robert here before we bring him on is backlash. Now you mentioned how wow, I didn't even know backlash was this week. Kind of snuck up on me. It is so interesting because. Uh, the most pushed match on this show is not either title match. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship, and then Braun Strowman versus The Miz and Morrison, which is literally like SmackDown 2005 booking to me um, in a handicap match for the Universal Championship. The, the most pushed match here is Edge versus Randy Orton because... They are promoting it as a uh, the the greatest wrestling match ever before they even wrestled. Yeah. So the match was taped. It was uh, taped earlier this week, 
so it's done. It's in the can. We'll I, we'll see what if it if it is good. But you know, we talked about this already. They're sort of setting it up a little bit for for failure because if you know, let's even talk about great WWE matches. Let's not talk about all wrestling matches. Is it going to be better than Steve Austin and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13? No. Is it going to be as good as some of these uh, NXT main events with uh, Gargano and Andrade or Ciampa and Gargano? Probably not. Um, is it going to be as good as uh, what was the match? Um, was it Tyler so- Bate and Walter? Yeah, Tyler Bate and Walter. And the other one was uh, from from a from a um, an emotional standpoint. Uh, was it Bailey and Sasha? Was that yeah. the match at, at yeah. NXT Brooklyn? Yes. Like those are matches when you talk about the greatest WWE matches, where you're like, those are really memorable. Like those are the matches that come up. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, like WrestleMania, to put a match on Backlash and use this as a way to uh, to um, advertise or market the match is is I think it's kind of weak. And what what they're I, I think what they're doing is they're they need to create some hype because they don't really have title matches that are all that important in the, in the whole scope of, of things. Um, I think Drew and that Bobby Lashley will actually be kind of fun. Like they're just two beasts who are going to, who are going to beat each other up. And so I think that match is good, but I'm not sure Bobby Lashley is necessarily um, over big time as a main eventer and you know plus this is the we're at least i'm hoping that this is just you know continuation of drew going to wherever he's going maybe it's going to be a, like a lesnar rematch or something but man the braun Strowman um handicap match is such a weak title match for the smackdown side i'm a, i'm a little i'm a little like almost like wondering like what what are they doing over there to to put together that kind of thing? Like, like the the Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles uh, U.S. Uh, champion or no Intercontinental Championship match? Why is that not on this show and instead it's on SmackDown? Because that you could you could actually say you're gonna have two really good wrestling matches at least with these two weak kind of title matches. Yeah, even Edge in an interview recently just said that you know he wished it wasn't promoted like the greatest match you know wrestling match ever because it's just you know just sets you up for failure right because people are expecting this great match and you know i you i don't know i i think this is a bad call but i know they, they you know they wanted a wrestling match that was the, the story that they're trying to tell that you know orton's like why you know you just can't beat me straight up in a wrestling match and now it's all of a sudden they being promoted as this greatest wrestling match of all time so um yeah, that's it's a tough. They're in a they're in a tough position. I think it's going to be a good match, maybe a really good match, maybe a great match, but not the greatest match. That's just so hard for those, those poor guys to have to live up to. And um, but uh, on on the show, I'm not really I, you know honestly for some reason I just can't pull myself. Maybe I'm just burnt out by Friday, but I just can't pull myself to watch SmackDown. I don't, I just don't know what it is. I, I every once in a while I'll tune in, you know, for something if like. You know, people are talking about something like, oh, look, you know, about what, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, people were talking about, oh, you know, Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan had a really good match. You know, mm-hmm. you know, check it out. So I went, you know, I went and checked that out. But, but you know, I just, I just haven't been really been able to sit there. I, I tape it. It's on my DVR. But I just end up usually deleting it, you know. So, so yeah, I'm not really, I don't really care too much about Strowman, Miz, and Morrison. 
at all. But, you know, I am looking forward to Drew and, and Lashley. I think they'll have a, a, a really good match, too. I think they'll have some, I think they'll have some good chemistry. Uh, Lashley's very, really underrated, unappreciated by a lot of people. You know, I think he's a, he's a pretty good performer. So, and Drew's really good. And Drew's been really great as his champion. So, one thing we didn't mention yet, which is the fact that it sounds like Paul Heyman is out mm-hmm. as the Raw lead writer. Um, and it looks like they've combined the teams again. And at the head of the writing table, alongside Vince, is Bruce Pritchard, who you will never be able to kill. He will, he, he will always come back. And I wonder how that affects guys like Drew... Um, guys that Heyman had sort of taken under his 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 tutelage a little bit, Alistair Black, um, Angel Garza, Garza, because you know th- those are Heyman projects as far as we know. And now, if Heyman, if it is true that Heyman is not in charge, uh, I wonder what happens to those guys. Like like you know, you mentioned SmackDown not being super interesting, and I agree with you. Like it's it's just not interesting what they're doing. And that's the show that Bruce Pritchard is the lead writer for. So I kind of wonder what's going to happen here with Raw and Smack, you know, with Raw and SmackDown together on on the writing crew. Like our guys who are sort of new, you know, Apollo Cruz. He's in a match with Andrade, which I'm really looking forward to on this show. I hope they get at least you know ten minutes. You know, I hope it's not I'm, like a like a six minute match. I'm sure they'll get some time. But yeah, you know, I I wonder about these guys because, you know, if you if you watch Raw, there are some guys who are like, oh, they're they're getting a little something. It's kind of interesting, and that's you know that that's kind of the good thing about Raw that that I enjoy, even though I'm not watching you know every show at at this point. But at least you know from my standpoint of like, oh, it's good to see them try to make new guys with Heyman out of the picture. I really wonder about those guys. Yeah, I wonder. I- because it's kind of weird that they're doing this because I, the shows are still separate, right? Yes. So what is the benefit of combining one creative team, I guess, is my thing. I think it's best to have two separate, two te- two separate kind of feels to a show. But, um, you know, maybe just Paul Heyman and Vince are just had, it, had too much, <laughs> had enough of each other. And, you know, who's going to go is definitely be Heyman. So I think he's, I think he'd rather do less stress and just, work on you know come to work when brock's ready to come back so um but yeah that's gonna be interesting and like, like i didn't even think about paulo cruz like that that just seems like his whole push seems like a a paul Heyman thing right maybe not maybe it wasn't him but it just seems like that so we'll see what happens to him like how the how bruce i mean bruce has always seemed to be a guy that's just basically you know goes whatever vince wants right so um I don't know, man. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I'm actually gonna now. I'm gonna. Bunch, I'm probably gonna watch. I'm probably gonna watch Monday, and that's my ice maker in my kitchen <laughs> going off. If anyone heard that, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, um, I'm gonna watch Monday just to see the vibe of the show. You know, I'll watch. Uh, gosh, I guess three hours of. I can get like the first two hours fine, and it's like that that third hour <laughs> really really kills me. But uh, but I'm gonna check it out, see how the vibe is, see how things are going with that. All right, just a couple other matches we didn't talk about. Asuka and Nia Jax, which I'm not, I, I, I'm not uh, that down on this match because 
I think it'll be I think it'll be a strong match when it comes to offense, when it mm. comes to you know the, uh, the laying it in. Uh, I, I hope that I hope that it, it doesn't uh, that n- nobody gets hurt for 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 one. But um, I, I'm not I'm not down on this match at all. I you know I, I think Oscar is is one of the best that they have, and I, I think she'll have a good match. And and you know not Naya in, in all of her faults, she is generally in, in in some fairly entertaining matches with the right people. So I think this could be pretty good. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going. I mean, probably better than fine. It's going to be good and. Naya had, like you said, she has her her negatives, but when in some of these bigger matches, she's she's come through, and you know, Oscar's a smart worker. Um, I'm sure she'll work around you know Naya's weaknesses and emphasize her strength. So it should be that should be fun. Jeff Hardy and Sheamus playing off of the angle in which Sheamus set Jeff Hardy up to be arrested for drunken driving just like that was irish yeah. oh my god so <laughs> yeah. bad like poor jeff hardy i mean he's he's made tons of mistakes but to really you know how many people did google search jeff hardy dui after that segment on smackdown and then saw like all the real problems that that he's had in the past yeah yeah um yeah i mean i, I always like sheamus i'm not never really been it's been a while since i've been a, a jeff hardy fan so um, we'll see where they go here. I think, but yeah, I think he's already. I think Sheamus lost the first one, right? So maybe it's just where Sheamus gets his win and evens the odds. You know, a little fifty-fifty book in there, unfortunately. And then Bailey and Sasha versus Alexa and Nikki versus the Iconics. I hope the Iconics are used for a little bit of uh, comedy early on. I hope they kind of let the other two teams wrestle in the ring while they're out for whatever reason. And I sure as hell hope they don't come in and like steal a pin to win the titles. I'm the, I, that, that is always my worry with these kind of matches when they, when they set up the, the triple threat stuff, because Bailey and Sasha are, you know, Bailey as the champion and Sasha just doing Sasha stuff it's it's about as good as you're going to get with the women's tag team division and they're so entertaining together um you know i i'm 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 actually i'm actually glad that you know when we were talking about the bailey character we're like ah oh, you know they're going away from this baby face bailey like she's making you know bailey dose straps work you know yeah. she's showing a ton of personality and she's doing a really really good job with her character yeah, no, no, she's she's doing she's doing good, and um, I think I think Sasha and Bailey are, are retaining. I think those belts mean more on them than they would the Iconics or or Alexa and Nikki at this point. Um, and plus the the the, the long term booking, at least as of it was planned before, was you know Sasha versus Bailey, right? So them as a team with the T tag titles, you know, you can kind of keep teasing that more and more. And and plus it just it just like I said it just means more like like you know if the Iconics show up on Wednesday for NXT probably not going to mean as much you know to the to the ratings but like you know Bailey and Sasha should help out should help out you know that's I would think they would do better than Iconics or anyone else and then I already mentioned Apollo Cruz and Andrade for the United States Championship which should be fun I, I'm you know I'm I'm st- I've still I still have stock in in Andrade I, well I'm they they've had really good matches on raw so yeah i'm assuming they're just gonna have another another barn burner so yeah it's pretty good what's, what's, what's really nice about these uh these pandemic era shows is that 
you know, we're not doing the four hour marathons. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that car alone, it looks like it's about two and a half, three hours. So, um, I'm, I'm cool with that right on a, on a Sunday. Absolutely. Um, and then Sunday night, I think we will have, uh, myself and uh, Justin Nipper, who I just mentioned wrote the article on Hannah Kimura. Uh, he's gonna, he's gonna, uh, do the recap of backlash with me. And also, uh, I wanted to have him on so that we could talk about the article, which is, you know, getting some pretty good traction out there. I think, I think, uh, the story is, is, is sad, but she's an interesting character and, and the mom is, is very interesting. And, you know, Justin, I, like I said, he knows the, the Japanese culture. So he gets a lot of folks from, uh, from, from Japan to, to read his stuff too. So it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's really interesting. I'm, 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 I'm so excited to see if he gets uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of rub from, you know, from, from folks who are looking for that kind of content who don't know a lot about that story. I'm hoping he gets a little something out of this. So it'll be cool. Yeah. All right. So now uh, to end the show, going to talk to Robert Silva. Robert, you, uh, you are writing a couple of different series for us. Uh, we just wrapped up the featherweights, your greatest featherweight of all time. And we are right smack dab in the middle of your greatest fights of all time. But I want to save that for the end because there's actually real boxing news to talk about. Yes. Right yes. now. So but before uh, their boxing restarted this week. But the first thing I actually want to ask you relates to the Tyson Fury anthony joshua talk they are i mean i don't know what's final and what's not final there's talk that there's a three fight deal between the two parties uh fury still has to fight deontay wilder a third time joshua still has his mandatory but i sense that maybe things aren't quite as close as uh, as the stories uh, ha- ha- that have been written may-, may-, may be insinuating. What is your take on, uh, on these negotiations? You're 100% correct. Tyson Fury was just interviewed on ESPN and he just verified what you said. It's nowhere near close. So what is the holdup? The, the holdup is kind of the fights that they have with the, the mandatories they have up uh, Fury has his third fight with Wilder that's supposed to take place, and there's a chance that it could be taking place on Boxing Day, the day after uh, Christmas, December 26th, possibly in Australia. Uh, Anthony Joshua, has, since he has three world title belts, has three mandatories he has to uh, uh, go through. One against this guy, Pulev, who's a bum. I don't even know why he's bothering. <laughs> uh, Usyk, Alexander Usyk, love to see that fight. Who is not but, a bum. Uh, oh, he's one of the five best fighters in the world who has, a, who, who has a great shot at being the next great heavyweight. He's that good. He reminds me of Evander Holyfield. Very similar story. He's, in my opinion, the second greatest cruiserweight of all time. Holyfield being number one, moving up to heavyweight. He's six foot three. He's big enough to deal, and he's very skillful enough to deal with the heavyweights out there today. In my opinion, he would be Joshua and Fury's toughest opponent. Maybe if I was you sick, I'd take some step aside money and fight the winner. 
I think that would be the best thing for Usyk to do. Um, Josh was worried about keeping all his titles. Titles mean nothing to me. Matter of fact, you're saving money. Let these guys strip you and go ahead and fight Fury next year. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, the thing that when I first saw the story, what I was trying to understand is how they, you know, the, the plans are set if all a bunch of things sort of have to right. happen correctly in order for those to happen. So, and, you know, we, we've seen in the past where certain mm-hmm. plans had been interrupted. But, I mean, I, I think it is safe to assume that Joshua would win the mandatory against Pulev. And, <laughs> and like you said, Usyk, rather than, you know, maybe make a stink about it, just take some money to, because he could get the winner. And essentially, waiting for the winner would make his fight even bigger. And more money. More money for him. Yeah. More money. He'd get, he'd get a paycheck to step aside, and he'd get a bigger deal fighting the winner. And so I guess the, the only thing is the Wilder fight, which I think most people would pick Fury to win that third fight. But there is that worry that... Yeah, something could happen. He could get he could get knocked down. He could get knocked out, and and then that would throw everything back it, into the blender because they it it wouldn't throw it wouldn't throw anything back in the blender because this is how I look at it. This is this is the NCAA Final Four. Your Final Four are Wilder, uh, Joshua, uh, Usyk, and Fury. Fury, if Fury somehow loses to Wilder. Wilder will fight Joshua next, the winner fight Music. So I really wouldn't worry about it. One way or another, by the end of 2021, you're going to have one main heavyweight, regardless of sanctioning bodies, up on top as the clear best heavyweight, number one heavyweight in the world for the first time since Lennox Lewis. Okay, but you say that. They have not been able to make a Wilder Joshua fight for the last several years. What is so easy to make at that point? Because, well, then then again, you know what? You have a good point there, Garrett. Because let's say Wilder beats Fury, there'll be a full fight that'll hold up the Joshua Wilder fight. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you're right. You know what? Boxing fans have to root for Fury because you know Fury and Joshua fight each other with the winner fighting music. If Wilder does somehow beat Fury, it, it goes back to square one because you're going to have a fourth fight between Joshua. I mean, between Fury and Wilder. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't realize that. You're right. All right. So let's talk about the show this week. Actually, there's even a show about a show going on tonight, right? You had a very good fight uh, at uh, that started today with Adam Lopez and Louis Correa. Very good 10-round uh, featherweight fight. I had Lopez winning six rounds to four, and two of the judges had it six rounds to four, one judge having it even. So it was a very good fight. The main event will be starting soon. I'll, I'll watch it after after we get off after we get off the phone uh, between Vicente and Jesse Magdaleno, who's very good fighters, only lost one time in 28 fights. So um, I'll give credit to Bob Arum. He's put some good cards together. Tuesday night was Shakur Stevenson going up against a, a live jobber, as you would say. That guy had, that guy had no kind of bio. Look, I'm Puerto Rican. 
I never heard of Cadabayo till uh, he signed for this fight two weeks ago. Where the hell they find this guy? I don't know. He had no business being in the ring with Stevenson. It was, I mean, Stevenson right now is the best young fighter in the world. The kid has all the skills. Keeps it up. By the end of next year, you can make a you can, you can make an argument that he could be the best fighter in the world. He's that special. What did you think of empty arena boxing? And did it did did, did the lack of fans and a, a little bit of a different ambiance bother you in any way? Boxing is the one sport, just like tennis and golf, where it works. Um, I have seen many of uh, fights where it was empty arenas. I remember Howard Davis, the great 1976 Olympic gold medalist, early in his career fought with basically only reporters at ringside. Didn't miss a step. There have been many amateur fights that were fought without an audience. So doesn't bother me. You really don't need... um, there are certain sports you need it. You need it in baseball. You need it in basketball. You need it in pro wrestling, as you've seen the last few months. Yes. Uh, especially with the WWE. You don't have any fans. At, at least with AEW, their wrestlers are making noise, and there's some type of fan atmosphere. But you need it. It, it makes a good match great. Well, d- WWE it, just started doing it recently. All right. Um, good. It has definitely helped. Uh, but I I, st- I still find the AEW version a little bit more effective. But you're right, mm-hmm. like, like not nothing. Yeah. You know that that's the one lesson, I think. And, and I, I don't even know if this is a lesson, but for the pro wrestling folks who are paying attention, the one lesson is is that the crowd is like fifty percent of the ball game. Yes, well, in boxing and UFC, you don't need that crowd reaction. And you, and you you hear the punches, you hear the guys talking around, you hear the cornerman clearer. Uh, so, doesn't affect it because huh, many a times, it's the older I've gotten, Garrett, unless it's Jim Lampley or uh, damn or, or Roy Jones Jr., which they haven't announced since HBO went out out of business, I can't stand Mark Kriegel and Joe <laughs> Tessa. So while the fight is going on, uh, Garrett, I'm either listening to music or. Somebody's podcast. But right. <laughs> well, what what about uh, when Andre and Tim are on? I love Andre. I can't stand Tim. Tim is first of all, Tim's grammar is horrific. You should not be a professional announcer, and your grammar is not up to snuff. And he's into hyperbole a lot. He um. Talk, talk, Terrence Crawford will beat Floyd Mayweather. They fought each other in their primes. No, I can't stand <laughs> Tim Bradley. I miss Teddy Atlas. I love Teddy Atlas. ESPN has not been the same when it comes to sh- uh, announcing their fights since, for some reason, Bob Arum went to ESPN and had him blackball. Teddy Atlas, Teddy Atlas and Roy Jones are the best color commentators in boxing, and they're not being utilized at all. And I wish somebody would hire our boy Kendall Johnny Gill, because the one time I heard him, he was the best in the business. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to him? I, I, 
Kendall Gill did one fight for DAZN, and he was sensational. He was a last-minute sub. Um, and uh, But I haven't heard about him since. He was great. He was great. And there's a guy, he, he grew up a huge boxing fan. And, you know, Garrett, he actually turned pro after his professional basketball career was over and had a few fights. He knows the game. Very enthusiastic. He was great. I was like, I love this guy. But nobody's picked him up. Why hasn't anybody picked up Roy Jones Jr.? Doesn't make sense. There are a lot of horrible announcers out there. The zone seems to like to hire WWE rejects. <laughs> uh, Todd Grisham and the coach, they're horrible. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you why Roy it hasn't been picked up. is because Roy wants a lot of money. That's why. Well, he deserves it. He's tremendous. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous uh, color commentator. And um, I, I can't stand Paulie Malinaki because he's so full of himself on Showtime. It's like he, with, with Paulie, it's like he's in business for himself. I hate that. I hate that. You should, you focus on the fight. They're in business. Oh, if that was me, if that was you, you'd be running around holding somebody. Get out of here. So, yeah, the. Boxing announcing, announcing right now is at an all-time low, which is sad, Garrett, because there's so many fights on television. The the announcing is not up up to par. Okay, so let's take what you just said, which is that the boxing as a sport can handle not having fans, but one thing that does drive the big fights is a nice fat Las Vegas gate for one, but also just the ambiance of a big fight. So if you if we were to have, I don't know what, what would constitute you know the biggest fight that boxing could put on today. But let's say that 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 they plan to do it in an empty arena. I, I do think without seeing the celebrities in the audience and without seeing, you know, the late arriving crowd and just the the Vegas, you know, just mm-hmm. the idea of the fight being in Vegas. I do think that would hurt a, that, a big a big fight. You make a great point there and you are 100% correct. When they right now there's a chance that Fury Wilder 3 will be held on Boxing Day, December 26th in Australia. There will be an audience for that fight. Um, because they, I think they're going to hold it in a soccer stadium, the same place where they held Jeff Horn versus Manny Pacquiao. I don't know how social distancing out in Australia. I, I don't even know what kind of numbers Australia has as far as c- coronavirus victims and uh, and who's been infected out there. But um, that's going to be held in a soccer stadium. It's going to be a big crowd. Uh, as far as... I think that's the reason why Canelo Triple G three is not going to happen in September because they can't hold it in front of a large crowd. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. you know, I think I don't know what Australia's numbers are, but I, I read something about New Zealand being like coronavirus free or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're neighbors, so it's a possibility. And um, Saudi Arabia also is going to have big fights coming up. I think until it is controlled, and right now, as we've seen. An explosion in the the, the Republican uh, uh, states of Texas and Arkansas and Florida and Georgia. Uh, coronavirus is nowhere near settled, settled, which is ridiculous. These states opened up early, yep. and now we, 
We've seen the second surge happen sooner than expected. Oh, my God. I, I have a friend. Uh, I think she lives in a suburb near Dallas. And she said that their hospital numbers are higher than yes. when this thing first started. That's ridiculous. Because they opened too early. They opened late April, early May. They they weren't listening to the, the, the scientists, the experts. That's why I love your governor and my governor, Newsom and Cuomo. That's all they've done is go by the experts. These guys, they're scientists, they're experts for a reason. Cuomo and Newsom have done a phenomenal job of following their, their, their advice. While clowns like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to say their names, but the Texas governor, Florida governor, Georgia governor, they're following the Republican handbook and look, 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 look what we have. Before we continue, I just want to say one thing, and this is boxer related. Just like the Vietnam War finally proved that Muhammad Ali was correct in not serving uh, the recent George uh, Floyd murder and all the police brutality cases and the protests and all of a sudden Goodell and all these guys backtracking and my quarterback Drew Brees backtracking, Colin Kaepernick has proven correct. Your former quarterback. So there you go. Kaepernick is the 21st century version of Muhammad Ali as he is redeemed. He is shown that he was correct all along. Yeah, you, you know, what's interesting to me... What a it, parallel. It, it's, it's a great parallel, actually. But I do wonder if Ali did not lose a little bit of his, his faculties and become a little bit of a sympathetic figure... Would the nation have so easily um, adapted to to what he was saying? Because he became a little bit of a a fatherly figure, and then you know, and then when you know when he really really got sick, um, he became a sympathetic figure. But, but that that was that was in the nineteen eighties. In the nineteen seventies, in the midst of it all, after. We pulled out of Vietnam. Remember, Muhammad Ali went from being the most vilified athlete, probably the most vilified man in the world, to the most popular man in the world by the time he knocked out George Foreman in 1974. Way before he became a grandfather figure, he had already flipped the script. No, I, I do think he did flip the script. I do think the world was changing. But it, it's it's almost like you know you, you can have someone say – you, you can have someone today put Kaepernick and Ali together in, in the same conversation, and that same person will be so praising of Ali and so disgusted with Kaepernick. And I, yep. like that, like that, that's, part, that, that's the thing that is, is so confusing the, to me. The, the perfect example is the president of the United States, who loves Ali, hates Kaepernick. Perfect example right then and there. And he's contradicted himself, but then again... <laughs> oh, you got to take the DIC out, out of the word contradiction and you and you capture Donald Trump. But it's funny how 1970 Muhammad Ali gets gets to fight again and people are realizing the Vietnam War was wrong. 
50 years later, 2020, there's a shot that Kaepernick will be playing football again this upcoming season. And guys are backtracking. Today, Pete Carroll comes out and says he made a mistake not signing Kaepernick in 2017 and 2018. That, that doesn't happen. Goodell apologized about prohibiting football players from taking a knee and protesting without naming Cap. And I know why he didn't. Because they, he'd have to, they'd have to pay more money to cap in another oh, lawsuit. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's, he's keeping it quiet. But so, I, I, uh, they just show when you have conviction, and you're you're steadfast, and you, and if you're right, not if you're wrong, if you're right, eventually you'll be proven right. And these two athletes, fifty years apart, what a parallel, were proven right in their stance. Yeah, you know, I've I've been on, I've I've been on Kaepernick's side since the day since day one. Since day one, fans, listeners out there, Garrett has been pro Cap since day one. He Garrett couldn't understand why he was on the bench, and the only reason he he started was because your your quarterback got hurt. Yeah, that the uh, Cap is like, yeah, but and. Kaepernick came in, they were what, one and seven, one and eight when he showed up, and he had a sensational second half of the season. Not his fault, they were horrible. He put up great numbers with no offensive line. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was so, it was, that team was so bad. He, um, I think his numbers like 12 touchdown passes and three interceptions yeah. with no offensive line, and that team was horrible. And he, people tell him he couldn't play. Uh, well, there you go. Um, I think he'll be playing this year. I would like to see where he plays. Um, Hopefully he gets to start. If there's a season, well, there'll be a season in front of empty fans. But I just wanted to bring that up before we go back to to the boxing. No, so um, I I guess this is a good good time to transition to the series that you just finished writing for us, which is on the greatest featherweights in boxing history. And I wanted to give you the chance to to quickly just, you know, count backwards and and, and uh, explain why you came to the conclusion that – Sandy Sadler was uh, the top featherweight of all time. What, without a doubt, the two greatest featherweights in the history of back boxing are Sandy Sadler and Willie Pep. A lot of so-called boxing ex- experts always pick Pep as number one. I'm one of the few. And if you look at the, the list, ESPN, Box Rec, uh, Ring Magazine, they all have Pep number one and Sadler number two. I can, and Pep is one of the three greatest defensive fighters of all time. When he lost to Sadler the first time in their first fight, his record was a ridiculous 134 wins, one loss, and one draw. In the 1940s, he was the second best fighter in the world after the incomparable Sugar Ray Robinson. That's how great Willie Pep was. But I cannot put him number one. He lost to Sandy Sadler three out of four fights. And in one of the fights, the very first fight they ever fought, he got put to sleep. In the fourth round, he got knocked the F out. Sandy Sadler hit him with that right hand, and he went to sleep a la Roberto Duran against Thomas Hearns, a la Pepino Cuevas against Thomas Hearns. When you're at that point in time, Willie Pep was undisputed undisputably the greatest defensive fighter in the history of boxing in 1948. Imagine the other two that after him, 
You never saw Pernell Wicker put to sleep by anybody. You never saw Floyd Mayweather put to sleep by anybody. That's how great Sandy Sadler was. He knocked out a defensive specialist. Like I mentioned in, the, in both the Willie Pep and Sandy Sadler articles. Willie Pep, Sandy Sadler to Willie Pep was Thomas Hearns to Sugar Ray Leonard. No matter how great Sugar Ray Leonard was, Thomas Hearns was always going to give him problems because he was tall with a great jab, and he, it was just hard. It was just a bad matchup for him. He got lucky the first fight because he caught Hearns late. Second fight, Hearns got robbed. Uh, the first fight, Sadler knocks out Pep. Second fight, Willie Pep fought the fight of his career and barely survived because Sadler rocked him a few times. Pep won a 15-round decision where he, through combinations, he moved, and he won nine, nine out of the 15 rounds. He definitely won the fight, but it wasn't easy. That took everything out of him. The next, the next fight, he got batted, almost knocked out in the third round, quit in his corner after the seventh round. And in the third fight, Pep, knowing that Sadler had his number, resorted to dirty tactics, and they both were elbowing each other, forearming each other. There's even a picture where Sadler has his behind Pep with a head with a headlock, <laughs> looking like it's a pro wrestling match. <laughs> and uh, finally, Pep, out of frustration, quit in his corner after the eighth round. So Sadler and Pep fought four times. Pep wins one magnificent fight, which was voted the 1949 fight of the year by Ring Magazine. The other three fights, he gets put to sleep, gets dropped three times, and knocked out cold in the fourth round. Second fight, he quits in his corner after almost getting knocked out in the third, third round. And in the third fight, a foul fest, he still quits in his corner, even though on all three scorecards, he was up by one round. I can't give him the greatest featherweight of all time if he quit twice and got knocked out and put to sleep in the third fight and only won one out of four. If you want to say he was the better fighter, okay. But he's not the better featherweight. And also, Sadler held the featherweight title two times for a total of seven years. And the closest he ever came to losing it a second time... He he rebounded and cut up Flash and Lorde, and they had to referee had to stop the fight in the 13th round. And only reason he lost the title, he didn't lose it in the ring. He got to a car accident, suffered a detached retina, and in 1956, you su suffered a detached retina. It's not like when Sugar Ray Leonard received uh, got his detached retina in the 80s. Modern medicine was way behind. He wasn't fighting again. At the tender age of 30, in his prime, he was forced to retire. 103 knockouts in his career. The best featherweight of the world of all time because he defeated Willie Pep three out of four times. I don't understand why. I just do the simple math. If you got two guys that are that close in talent, I got to go by the one loss record. To, uh, perfect example, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I look at the one-loss record. Who won more Super Bowls? Who won Who won more AFC championships? I don't care how many MVPs Peyton Manning got. Tom Brady's better. Can you explain the, <clears throat> the uh, story of who is related to I love, Sandy Sandler? I love, I love this. I had no it's, idea, by the way. I, I love this. 
a lot of people came with they like what and when I tell people this, they're like, oh no, that's not true. I said, Well, look it up. Look it up. And there's a in every uh article, whenever an interview or historical hip hop books, whenever they ask Grandmaster Flash about his uncle or about his upbringing, he would talk about how his brother, Sandy Sadler's, I mean, his father, Sandy Sadler's brother, was very tough on Grandmaster Flash growing up. And he, and he, and, and he said that that was because of how his uncle used to deal with his father, uh, Joseph Sadler, Sandy Sadler's brother. And what so yeah yeah my uncle my uncle is Joseph Sand, Sand, Sandy Sadler who Joseph Sadler aka Grandmaster Flash was named after I I, I got to give Joseph's brother credit he didn't name Flash after himself he named him after his brother so you can see the impact that uh, Sandy Sadler had on his brother and Grandmaster Flash who today still looks the same as thirty years ago I know. <laughs> the ages and the first hip hop DJ to be inducted into the international boxing. I mean, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's only two DJs in the Rock. Well, there's three now. There's three DJs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's Grandmaster Flash. There's DJ Yella and Terminator X. Because of the groups they were with. It was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five were the first hip-hop act inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that, the nephew, Joseph Grandmaster Flash Sadler, is the nephew of Joseph Sandy Sadler. Okay. And all my, all my friends that are huge hip-hop fans, a lot of them didn't know. I said, oh, shit. I said, yep, yep. Okay, th this will further blow my mind if this is true, but I, I highly doubt this is true. Did the the Flash nickname? There was also a Flash who had no, to no. fight. <laughs> uh, it has nothing. To do. No, no, no. But, but, um, the reason he called the reason they called him Grandmaster Flash was the way he DJ. No, I mean, no. he was Flash on the turntables. That's how he got his name and. and Back then, when you were a master DJ, like Grandmaster Kaz, you were Grandmaster a Flash. Matter of fact, after Flash and the Furious Five parted ways, Melly Mel took the name Grandmaster Melly Mel, and he did a lot of the DJing. So it had nothing to do. The Flash was because of the way he spit the records and how he would take one record off one turntable, put another one and starts, that's why he was called Grandmaster Flash, because of his quick hands that he, he inherited from his uncle. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, I was just trying to tie it back into the list because uh, I, I think the, the maybe number four was uh, Flash Elord, right, on the list? Oh, no, he was the number four Junior lightweight. Junior of light. all. Okay, okay, that's what it was. Got it. When he fought Sadler, they fought twice. The first fight was a non-title fight at Junior lightweight, in which he beat Sandy Sadler, and then in the rematch was at featherweight, where Sadler beat Elorde, his last successful title defense before that fateful car accident that ended his career. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's wrap it up here. But before we do, I want to talk about the other series that you're doing. Um, which is the greatest fights of all time. Now, if you go to um, if you go to fightgamemedia.com, you will see a uh, a drop down under the boxing header, 
And if you click on that, you get to see the uh, main page where all of the greatest fights of all time, all the essays that Robert is writing are listed. We have made it through uh, the first half of the list. So we've gone from 50 to 26. The next uh, list will be to get us down to 21. And then the top 20, we will do a little bit differently. We will do them as singular essays. We will post two of them a week until we get to, I believe it's the, t- was it the top 10 or the top five? The top 10, then we're going to go weekly one at a time until we get to number one, which will perfectly coincide with the anniversary of that fight. And we'll come back and do a podcast about that number one fight, which historically, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything, just historically, it's the biggest fight in the history of boxing, period. So I leave it at that. But um, yeah, we're going to do it like that. And I'm having a ball writing these up because I'm watch I'm rewatching each fight and I'm taking notes. And it's funny because I've seen all these fights several times. I've done a podcast on on on, on World Championship Boxing podcast. I have done all these fights before years ago with my partner Logan on the World Championship Boxing podcast. Watching it, seeing it again, it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. I'm loving this because I'm taking notes each round. I'm like, damn, this what a great fight. And other than the top three fights, between four and 25, you could easily make an argument that 25 belongs at, at number five and so forth. You could flip them. I, I'm, I won't argue with you if you think, oh, this fight should have been higher. They're great fights. They're, that's that's why they're one of the twenty five greatest fights of all time, and you, the the first twenty five we looked at have just been, I mean, un, un, unbelievable. I just finished writing twenty one. I'll be sending that to you tomorrow. After I after I do some corrections, I'll I'll uh, email that to you tomorrow. Um, un, un, un unbelievable project, and I'm loving it. I'm just enjoying it. So I, uh, I really enjoy putting these things up, and I read them in full. I, I read every single word that you've written. I, I do end up uh, watching some of the stuff on YouTube, you know, clipping around, because I want to see something that you've described. And it's, just, it's, it's a great learning experience because, you know, I've read about a lot of these fights, but because we have YouTube, you can actually yep. see them, which is amazing if you think about it. All of the history of boxing is, is on YouTube. It just needs to be uh, categorized, I guess, uh, a little bit better. And hopefully we're doing some of that with, with these yeah, fights. Yeah, we, we are definitely. You know what I, uh, what I hate is what writers do is that they take the word of what somebody in the 1910s and 1920s wrote about a fight where there's no footage of. You're not going to see that in my list. I'm not going to say, oh, Jack Johnson versus J- James J. Jeffrey. It was this war. I don't know that. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm taking the word. First of all, the reporters have their own bias. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know. It. So No, I go by what I see with my own eyes. Um, and I heavily favor fights that I I heavily favor fights in the 80s because as anybody knows, whatever sport you love, whatever part, part of entertainment you love, movies music, you tend to gravitate 
to stuff that you grew up on. And so the 1980s is dominating this list because, but also historically, the 1980s was probably the greatest decade in boxing. And I was lucky to grow up and watch those fights and the major fights like Leonard Duran, like uh, Leonard Hagler. I went to the to, to the movie theaters or the Gar- Master Square Garden to see it on closed circuit. So uh, there's a there's a heavy bias to, 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 towards to, towards that era. I agree, but also hands down, it's the greatest era in boxing. But uh, the t- if you when I get to the yeah we we go into the top twenty soon. And it, it's heavy influx of nineteen uh, fights for the nineteen eighties. All right, so uh, want want to thank uh, Robert for jumping on. Anything anything else you need to add before we uh, get out of here? Yeah, we, we, we've covered we, we we've covered everything. Uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, your, your your buddy Dave, Dave Melser. I want to thank all uh, all the journalists out there. Especially, it's funny the journalists. The, the 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 wrestling journalists are have more common sense than other sport journalists than other sport owners. Well, I understand if we just stick to professional wrestling. Why is it that journalists like Wade Keller, Bruce Mitchell, you, Dave Meltzer, have common sense, but the owners of these companies, like Tony Khan, like his father, like Vince McMahon, like his wife, don't. Dana White, UFC. What was wrong with these people? I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it just works historically like that, right? Like that that's that's why there is a press is to write about the things that the public should know about that they don't because they're not as close to these things. And Yeah, but there, there's other – if you look at the, the, the national press, they have turned a blind eye – to the problems of police brutality and racism for years. They're forced to do it now, except for Fox News, who's with the Tucker Carlson uh, 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 oh idiots and the Sean Hannity's, and the, they're just turning a blind eye to it. Laura Ingram, come on. You got to be kidding me. So I got to give credit to the pro wrestling media. They've been on point and, and love them or hate them. Jim Cornette was way out on this for ye- for, for for a long time, oh, yeah. calling Trump out and everything. So it's the <laughs> pro wrestling media that it has the most common sense. It's the most passionate towards the crimes committed by this government. So I, I got to give you guys a shout out. Um, Dave and I were going back and forth on Twitter the other day. I loved the conversation we were having. Got to give him his props. Eh? Never met him that's a friend of yours, but I could tell from the way he speaks, what he writes, that he is a good man, and he knows right from wrong, and big credit to him. And um, Wade and Bruce and all, all you guys, congratulations. And um, keep keep doing what you're doing. If we ever get back to New York for Big Show, which you know, when we have a big show that people can actually attend, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll definitely have to... Uh, Set set the meet up so that you get to meet him. He's a really good guy, and uh, you know, I I am not uh, of their class because I don't really do this for a living. But I mean, right. you know, I, I appreciate we, we uh, being a podcaster, which isn't the same as being a journalist. Though you know, I do have a, a degree in journalism, and I and I treat a lot of the things that I say, mm-hmm. you know, with those same ethics. You know, there is power in in using your voice for for 
those reasons. And, you know, I know a lot of people like to stay away from it because, oh, you know, people listen to podcasts before uh, because they want to kind of get away. And what's great about uh, Blue Wire, which is uh, our podcasting company, is they don't want us to shy away from it. They want us to speak the reality of what's going on, you know, if it if it makes sense to do so. So I, I do appreciate that freedom with, with them as well. I want to say one last thing. Thank God for podcasting. Growing up as a kid in New York City, and when sports radio was first introduced in 1987 with WFAN, which was the first all-sports radio talk show, 24 hours, you never got people like us, Garrett. Garrett, you're half Asian, half Hispanic. I'm Puerto Rican. Uh, I consider myself an African Puerto Rican because I have dark features. You never got our perspective on those radio stations. It was always a middle-aged white man's perspective. And so when something like Colin Kaepernick happens, you got guys like Boomer Sison and Mike Francesa. Oh, they don't understand <laughs> the crap that we've put up with through our lives. And so they're like, they're dismissive. Oh, how could he disrespect the flag? Throw him out. And Boomer and Francesa was running that crap the whole time. And so I turned the radio off. With podcasting, we're able to reach people like us and talk about what we go through, right? The days of middle-aged white men making millions of dollars a year criticizing black and Hispanic athletes, it's over. It's over. It's been going on too long. That's what I love about podcasting because we get out there and we could say from our own perspective – Yep. What we see, and these and our lives are more indirect with the lives of the athletes than these middle-aged journalists and media types that make millions of dollars criticizing black athletes and Hispanic athletes, not understanding the stuff that they have to go through, the hell that they have to go through. And one last shout-out, LeBron James, keep doing what you're doing. You are a credit to this country. Agreed. I, I did have to root against him for four straight NBA finals, though. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> <laughs> and you won three out, three out of four, so yeah, you <laughs> should have won four out of four. That was oh, a disgrace. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I think that's, that's as good of a way to end yeah. as we yeah. possibly could. So um, I want to say... Thanks to Robert for, for jumping on. And I also want to say, you know, thanks to John, who I do this with on a weekly basis. Uh, basis. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.